0: Shalom aleichem chassis.
1: Aleichem shalom.
0: How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. It's good to, it's good to be back on. I know we missed uh, last, last week, but it's good to be back on uh, the half Torah with you.
0: Amen. Well, it's glad to have you back. We definitely missed you last week. So let's make up for it this week. All right, let's do it. All right, without further ado, welcome everyone to the Haftarah Get You Some for Parsha Chukat. So, Chasis and Shomer Man coming at you, the Bracha for the Haftarah. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bachar bin vi'im tovim, ve'ratza ve'divre'him ha'ne'emarim be'emet. Barukata Adonai Haboker Batora Uv Moshe Avdo Uv Yisrael Amo Uvin V Ha Emet Vazedek B'shem Yeshua Amen. Amen. Alright, we're going like straight Evrit up in
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, loving it.
0: Brugesham. Alright, so um, I was thinking the formula that we've kind of developed is the introduction of our characters here. So, um, or I shouldn't say characters, but the person in our, uh, haftarah, and then kind of get into some insights. So if you're good with that, I kind of like that format.
1: Of course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the last part is we've had quite a few characters, um, and this one, there really seems to be only one character who's actually named, um, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Correct. Well, I mean, so, if you want to count the Ammonites or the brothers of Yiftach, but they're actually not even named. So.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, there's several characters in it, but no one is named except Yiftach. So
0: well, Balak is in there, but he's only in there because he's a historical account. So, oh,
1: that's true. For all that's the true.
0: technicalities that may try to hit us up, we just want to let them know that, hey, <laughs> we, we know, we see that. <laughs>
1: all right. Without further ado, Yiftah. So it, it says, he was a righteous man who dwelt among wicked neighbors of the tribe of Ephraim. He saw them burn their sons and daughters for the Baal, and he too went and killed his daughter after making a vow to God that inadvertently fell on his daughter. Thus, he became wicked and did not merit burial. Instead, whose bones were scattered everywhere. It's from Alf alphabet to Ben Seraph, Ashtar, Hamidashim, 36. That's a it's a heavy way to start.
0: Uh, yeah, it's the opposite of how you start on fire. But, <laughs> I mean, we don't really want to be fired up like that. But... And, uh, I will say it's very interesting that of all the tribes to be mentioned, it chose Ephraim, which is kind of like, whoa, that's the lineage of Mashiach there.
1: That's true. And I believe his, his father from the tribe of Menashe. Kin. And so you have idea—you have Yosef's two sons playing an integral role of, of this story, or like the a background story, if you will.
0: Wow. Rukashem.
1: All right, and a few more things. The four people made requests in an improper manner. The requests of three were, nevertheless, granted in a proper way. The request of the fourth, Yiftach, was not. Yiftach said, whatever comes forth from the doors of my house to meet me, I will offer up as a burnt offering. If a donkey, dog, or cat, which may not be sacrificed, had come out, would he have offered it as a burnt offering? Ooh. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Sent his way something that was not fitting. Rav Yochanan said, Yiftach was obligate, offer, obligated shikha, to bring a burnt offering equal to her value. Resh Lakish said, He was not even obligated to bring back. Was not Pincus there to release him from his vow?
0: Whoa. But Pincus
1: had said, He needs me, and I should go up to him? He should come to me. And Yiftach said, I am the head officer of Israel... I should go to Pincus, he should come to me. Between the two of them, the girl was lost, and both of them were punished for her death. Wherever Yiftach went, one of his limbs would fall off and be buried there. And Pincus lost his divine inspiration from Bashit Rabbah 63. Woo. And so there's this hidden exchange between Pincus and uh, Yiftach. It's not officially in the half-Torah. But right after Hathor ends, he makes this vow, and the only way he can annul this vow is going to, like, Pincush and having it annulled. But both their, their pride and their ego got in the way, and this girl died because of that.
0: Do you know that reminds me of a a uh, midrash that's in this week's uh, commentary on Parsha Hukat?
1: I did not, but I would be interested if you shared.
0: All right. So um, believe it or not, this is actually quoted by Benny B and G Shekel which was kind of like really cool just to kind of see them cross paths and uh, let's see here so it's a story and they actually relate it to uh, when Shaul was on the when he had the shipwreck And it says that uh, he was getting some sticks together for the fire and there was a a snake that jumped out of the wood pile and bit him on the hand and he shook it off. And the people were looking like, oh yeah, he's going to die. And they kept looking and he didn't die. (laughs) So, they said that's actually a commentary. I'm trying to find it here. Where is it? Okay, here we go. Brukashem. This is from the Yerushalmi Talmud, Shabbat 14 and Ecclesiastes Rabbah 124 and 739. So it says an ancient Jewish literature records a belief of healing a fatal snake bite from another source. Rabbi Eliezer ben Dama was bitten by a snake and Ya'akov of Kfar Sama came to heal him in the name of j-e-s-u-s that's kind of like wait what you know and and apparently this is literally yeshua but for some reason his name is codified here as the greek name so i don't know what's up with that but you know from our previous drosh i was wanting to make sure that this would not be the same uh j-e-s-u-s who was the sorcerer and who was pushed away from being a talmud of one rabbi, so, uh, the judge, the jury is still out on that one, but, you know...
1: That's it? So that's, it's from Ecclesiastes Rabbah, or, or Yushlami Talmud?
0: Ken, so... Have
1: to check that out later.
0: Yeah, so, uh, but, so, for the sake of, right now, as far as what we're seeing, it looks like this is actually Yeshua, like, he really wants to heal this guy in the name of Yeshua. So... Yeah it says, and Rabbi Yishmael did not allow him. Okay. So they said to him, you are not permitted to accept healing from him. Ben Dama. He said to him, I shall bring you proof that he may heal me, but he did not have time to bring the promised proof before he dropped dead. So again, that's Talmud, Shabbat 1-4, Ecclesiastes, Rabbah one And so, just like with Pincus and Yiftach going back and forth, and ultimately Yiftach's daughter was lost, these two gentlemen going back and forth ended up losing a guy to a snake bite that could have been healed.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> that's an incredible find. Rukashanth. It just, it just shows you just the divisiveness, arrogance causes. Yes, I agree. And no one's willing to humble themselves for the sake of peace. It says, not the Torah, all its paths are peace. Mm. And so it goes to show you if you're not going on a path of, of peace, of restoration of the coon, and wholeness, then are you truly following Torah?
0: Wow.
1: And so that's a, that's incredible that's an incredible story. And that's that's interesting how these two midrashes from the half Torah and from the Parsha just parallel parallel like that.
0: <laughs> right. And we know there's no such thing as coincidence.
1: No. The rabbis knew what they were doing when they tied these stories together.
0: Man, Baruch Hashem, they sure
1: did. Baruch Shema. All right. A couple more things on Yiftah. All right. This is from Yalkut Shemani, not uh, 67. All right. His daughter said to him, does the Torah say to sacrifice people? Mm. It is not written, you shall bring your offering of the cattle of the herd or of the flock. Leviticus 1, three. My daughter, he replied, I vowed whatever comes forth from the doors of my house to meet me, I will offer up as a burnt offering. Ew. She said, the patriarch, Yaakov, vowed whatever you will give me, I shall repeatedly tithe for you. The HaKadosh who gave him twelve tribes. Did he sacrifice one of them? But Yevtach did not heed her. She said to him, let me go to the court. Perhaps they will find a way of releasing you from your vow. Uh, Another source from Shemot Rabbah, 15.4. She said, I will go down upon the mountains. Judges 11.37. Did she then go down upon the mountains? Rather, she was speaking of the elders. She went to show them that she was a pure maiden, and that they should therefore annul the vow. Wow. And so there's this dialogue afterwards where she's like, "Hey, you know, this this offering is right, but he won't. He just won't listen to her, and he goes through with it."
0: So it likened the the elders to mountains. That's pretty legit.
1: Rather, she was speaking of the elders.
0: Man, oh, interesting, you, right there. Well, you know, the reason I stop and just kind of say la on that is because. Our fellow Avenger and Chavivi, the incredible Talmud, get you some. He brought down literally a mountain uh, a couple years ago at the Lapid Conference. It was called Source Mountain. And he was <laughs> and, and on it. It shows like how all of the Jewish literature and sources and Midrashim Tanakh, torah you know sanhedrin like how it all fits together you know where's rashi's where's ramban you know like all those different uh sages and things like that and he had it um it's a beautiful picture and layout but it's literally called source mountain and it shows how to rightly weigh every source that you go through and how everything is subservient to the torah so the elders being likened to a mountain, I think, is incredible when it comes to that because it really sets up a picture of proper balance.
1: It's Incredible! I remember when the first time I met the Incredible time of, that was uh, one of the first things he shared with me: just putting things in their proper order, mm. you know, and, and allow everything to build up from that.
0: Man, that is that's so, just so incredible, that. man! <laughs> Pun intended, I guess.
1: <laughs> yep. Wow, man. I guess it's fitting, too, because Hashem held up Har Sinai above the children of Israel. Oh. Almost as is to smash them. So it's fitting that he would be holding up this mountain.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because he wants to smash. Hulk smash.
0: (laughs) Wow. Nice tie in there. It's really uplifting.
1: You know, Mashiach is known as a great mountain.
0: Right. Get you some.
1: Har Hagadol. Since we're talking about mountains.
0: Right, and we might as well take it up a notch with saying, since he's called that great mountain, the the commentary goes on to say that this means he's greater than Moshe, he's greater than the patriarchs. So
1: greater than all of them.
0: Man. Which we already knew that, but I mean it's just it's one thing to know it, but then for it to be sourced out and codified, it's just kind of like, so if so we're... a whole
1: different level.
0: Right? <laughs> it's, not, it's not MSU, you know?
1: Nope.
0: All, All right. right. So what else you got on Top?
1: Well, that's it as far as his, uh, this little introduction of him goes. I figured uh, it's about time for a section two. Look at the time.
0: All right. Uh, or, we're, or do we
1: have a little longer?
0: We actually do. There's been some interesting developments with the time, so
1: oh, okay.
0: What, what I want to try to accomplish is for us to properly segment our time where we can spend enough time on the intro, and then we can go to break after that, and then come back in with the insights. So that way we kind of right. have it broken up a little better. Sounds good. So the one other thing that I would like to add to Yiftok is that, you know, this is the first year and I've read the Torah portion cycle. This is my fifth time. Thank, thank Hashem for that. And out of all these times, I've never known Yiftok's Hebrew name. This is my first time learning his name. Yes. Because I've always known him as Jephthah. And I'm like, what kind of name is Jephthah? And it's like, well, that's not his name. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, when I first saw his name, Yiftak, I'm like, say what? Because Yiftak means he shall open. Uh-huh. And I automatically thought of the Shimone Esrei, where we go Adonai, Seftai, Tif, talk wow I don't know I mean you open my lips you know oh, oh, you're crazy. Th- that's right so telling 51 and I'm like oh my word like this is incredible and so I just thought well what if I looked at yeef talks introduction a little differently because you know now that I know his name means he shall open so I was just kind of messing around with the first phrase here, which is, ve'yiftak, ha'giladi, hayagibor chayil, vehu ben isha, and you remember in the prophecy in Bereshit that says that the woman will give forth seed that will crush the head of the serpent. So I was looking at ben ben isha. Would be that offspring and then the word Vehu. So if you put Vehu ben Isha and he is the son of the woman. And then kind of backing up or go all the way to the beginning. So you can literally read this verse in Baivrit and shall open the Gili the Giladite or yeah, the Giladite or Giladi. That shall be mighty and valiant. He is the son of the woman. So it's like a, a messianic prophecy right there that we'll know that Mashiach will be opened by a gi- Giladi, which is none other than Eliyahu. Eliyahu ha-Giladi. And then it wow. says, and he shall be, which is Hayah, Gibor Chayil vehu Ben Isha. He shall be mighty and powerful. And he is the son of the woman. <laughs> so that just kind of. Hit me really hard. And I was just like. Whoa. Oh oh my goodness.
1: That is incredible.
0: <laughs> wow. Todah and Baruch Hashem. For the insight and the download. Because. Like I said. This is my first time. You would think. After, after one or two times. Reading a parasha. You'd be like. Oh yeah. Of course. It's right there.
1: Yeah. I mean. I. You know, I, I chose to call that because I think the English version, the angelicalized version, is a lot harder to say.
0: <laughs> it really is. It's
1: tongue-twisting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. So <laughs> I just decided to go with Yiftah.
0: Get <laughs> you some. <laughs> All right. So, Todah, for allowing me to share that. Um... I'm still not over that yet. I mean, I'm just. Code
1: up for sharing, like, man, okay, I don't even really know. I'm still processing what you said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I'm still processing. So you know, we both getting us on right now. Man. So I mean, wow. it's just incredible how how much Hashem just really placed in Torah for us to really seek out Mashiach. You said it best in our last Haftarah, Drash, that Mashiach says you are to seek me and search for me, and the Torah, and the prophets, and I believe it was the Haftarah. Yeah. No, the Tehillim, the Tehillim, the Torah, the prophets, and the Tehillim.
1: Torah, prophets, and yeah, the writings, Tehillim, Psalms.
0: So I mean, here it is, right here. It's just so beautiful. Wow. All right, sure. so any more introductions?
1: Well, I figured we could uh, go with a quick summary of this half Torah, and then we can kind of dive in, link it like how we have been to uh, Yeshua, cool. and some of the deeper insights, Continue with deeper insights into this half Torah.
0: Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so in agreement with that.
1: All right, so a little outline what this half Torah is about. Brief overview, Yiftach is expelled from his home by his brothers and becomes a warrior outside Eretz Israel. The Jews are attacked by the Amanim and the elders of Gilad ask Yiftach to become the leader. Yiftach agrees and asks the Hashem's help. Yiftach then tries to negotiate a peaceful settlement with the king of Ammon, and the settlement is rejected. And then Yiftach vows to bring a sacrifice to a shim if he is victorious in battle and Hmm. then later we know that and from what we read earlier that that ends up being his one and only daughter and so it's a quick summary of our
0: half Torah before we dive into it all right we will take a short break and we'll be right back after this all right all right and welcome back to the Haftarah with Summerman and Chassis.
1: all right good to be back Ruk Shem Ruk
0: all right so where are we starting from
1: so we just link, we just talked about the uh, just a summary a rough overview a little insight into Yatah and uh, a little bit of what his like name implies so I figured we could start and just sort of link it back to our our Parsha like why? Did these connect?
0: Oh, man. I got a tag on that. But I'm, I'm right. going to let you start going, though, because I want to see where you're going. Okay. All right. Cool.
1: Sounds good. Parsha Chuchat. 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 Excuse me. We find the story of Bnei Israel. They arrive at the borders of Edom, and they ask its king for permission to pass through its land in order to reach to Israel. Mm. They refuse... But rather than attacking them, rather than attack the Edomine and force their way through B'nai Israel, by Shim's command, actually turn away and begin to travel northward through the desert. And in this half Torah, Yiftach actually recounts these same events. Right? And it's, <laughs>
0: I'm sorry? I was just agreeing. I mean, because he, it's just like you can put the text side by side and it's just like, wow.
1: Yeah, like, in- interestingly, like, he actually relates that after their encounter with Edom, B'nai Israel also asked the king of Moab to grant them passage, but he too refused. This is, the only, this is only hinted at, it's not actually explicitly stated in the Torah, but it's, it's interesting because here's this king saying, basically accusing them of like stealing the land, how it's theirs, and he make, leaves this huge claim of how, well, here's why you're wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so I think that's very, very interesting.
0: Well, you know, and... Just right here, I mean, we see that this is the precedent for the statement that says, no Moabite shall enter the congregation of Israel. So that's from this week's Torah portion because he refused passage, you know, traveling, uh, hospitality to the children of Israel as they were walking by. And it's just kind of like, well. Because you didn't show kindness, you will now not be allowed to make shuva and convert.
1: Yes. Wow. That's interesting because there's some huge parallels that I'd really like for us to get into, too, on that. Ooh. So that's that's huge that you actually mentioned that. Uh um, And Let's see. A few more parallels. So, towards the end of Parsha, Chukat, Kamosh. The national idol of Moab is actually mentioned, and Yiftak cites it as Amun's god. Whoa. But it's possible that it was actually revered by both nations. So it's possible that this was like a this dual god for both Moab and Ammon.
0: What? Yep. Oh, my word. Wow. <laughs>
1: and there's a couple more parallels.
0: Hasiz. A... Man.
1: <laughs>
0: Dude, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, there's, there's so much that that really connects. Like this this half Torah and this Parsha, there's so much that really just ties in so well together. You know, it's just, it's incredible.
0: It's like they did it on purpose or something.
1: Yeah, there might, might have been. You know, there's no uh, Hebrew word for coincidence. <laughs> As uh, the amazing Chazan always says. Cool! <laughs> also, another parallel is between Moshe and Niftah. Oh, no, you ain't. So, they actually, it has to do with their deaths and their burials. So, Moshe erred at the wars of Mirava and mm-hmm. because of that, the, he was—he died and was buried in the wilderness. He wasn't allowed to enter the land. Yiftach, it says, because of his misguided piety, you know, of sacrificing his careless vow to sacrifice his own daughter,
0: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: that we mentioned that he was punished with an, a noble death, right, where his limbs would gradually, like, fall off. Wow. And wherever, you know, his limbs would drop, they would actually be buried in the city. And that's why there's there's mention of, like, he was buried in the cities. It's it's plural. Wow. buried in different places. Oh. Nevertheless, both Moshe in the Parsha and Yiftach in our half-Torah they found atonement for their errors by suffering a disgraceful, um, burial. Wow. And so they're both atoned through, through means of their burial and the disgrace that was brought along with it.
0: Which is so crazy because just last week, Shodanuf Pincus dropped a whole thing about the the body being, uh, atoned and purified and uh, of the Yetzahara and the poison of the Nachash through burial. Wow. So the primordial sin and blemish that has caused death for all mankind until the renewal through the second Adam by Mashiach Yeshua, which has begun and it's going to pick up quite a bit when he returns, like a lot. But in the meantime... We are uh, looking forward to that great day where death will truly be swallowed up in victory. Amen. I Amen. But it was saying that our body is purified of its evil through burial. So that's the the whole point of us being buried into the ground as soon as possible because that's like a form of atonement and cleansing from sin.
1: I mean, I, I think that's that's so, so huge and so vital point. You know, death is often looked at in like this negative light, but Hashem says the punishment for sin is death, and so there's this aspect of this aspect of death actually bringing this this balance to the scales. Wow. And I remember us discussing before that you know the the Mashiach is hidden in Sodom. It talks about David being hidden in Sodom. Yeah. And you break that word apart as Samic Dom. Samic is like the support. And Dom is blood, so it's like the supporting blood. Mm. So every, every act of atonement, all the, the deaths of all these great Sadahim who brought atonement for Israel and our own burials, ultimately the, the supporting blood, hidden in the supporting blood, is Mashiach. And so all these acts of atonement and burial and death all actually point to, like you said, Yeshua Mashiach.
0: I mean, so it's interesting you say supporting blood, and it's like, that reminds me of the two bloods that were placed on the doorpost. The blood of the lamb and the blood of the circumcision. Oh, wow. And the uh, the commentary and saying that this is in your blood live, in your blood live. It's two bloods.
1: Two bloods. Two, mashiach.
0: <laughs> two Mashiachs. Two
1: And It's, it's interesting because I remember there's also commentary about Miriam and her death, you know, being juxtaposed next to the golden, I mean, excuse me, the, the red heifer. Uh, talking about how the the Sadakim when they die actually brings atonement for the people. King. And so this is this is not just a made up, you know, Christian doctrine. This is just hardcore engraved within uh, Jewish literature. Speaking of Miriam, I think there's also a connection between the death of Miriam and also in this half Torah. And I guess technically speaking, a little after the half Torah
0: Wow, because the daughter.
1: <laughs> yes, the daughter.
0: <laughs> Do you
1: remember what it says when after he achieved victory?
0: He says that which comes out of the front of my house. Mm-hmm. That part.
1: Yes, and what went out, or who I should say went out to greet him?
0: His daughter. She was all excited and happy, and he's so like, "Oh no." Which-
1: <laughs> How excited was she? What was she doing? Uh,
0: I think she was dancing.
1: Yes, to... and that's the thing. She wasn't. Di- she was dancing, but she wasn't just dancing and and singing. Because she was dancing with uh with tof, which is a tremble with a tambourine.
0: Oh no! What?
1: And so this, I believe, connects to Miriam.
0: Oh, my So where it says, in Shemot 1520,
1: Miriam, the prophet, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine, a toph, in her hand, and all the women went after her with trembles and with dances.
0: Oh, my And so I think it's, yes. it's, it's, it's
1: there's this amazing connection. Yiftak just wins this war against the Ammonites. And out come to greet him, to celebrate, and here's his daughter with, with a tambourine.
0: Oh. Technical difficulties, stand by. All right, are you there?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so we had a little technical difficulties, but you know, I just want to shout out to my backup suit, Moshe. He was still rolling the whole time, so (laughs) the last thing we left off with is that, (laughs) it's so funny, I'm like, wait, my backup suit was still recording? (laughs) Like uh, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron when he was like, okay, sentry mode. And he's like walking through the building and his suit is following him. But anyway, side swerve tracked. But I was like, we were in the middle of you just getting so turned up that the system just couldn't handle it. So you were on the part about Miriam dancing with the tambourine. And that's what Yiftok's daughter was doing when she saw him because she came out the door of the house and I've had time to think about it. So I realize it's not fair, but (laughs) this is a small picture of what it was like to leave Mitzrayim because they all left through the door of their house that was covered with that blood out into the Exodus to greet Hashem, and so the daughter, being like Miriam, leaving out of the door of the house to greet her father, you know, because Hashem is like our father, so this is all remez right now, but I was just kind of thinking of that little picture of how it was just kind of like, woohoo, salvation, you know, rejoicing, you know, victory, and it's just like, no, death.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like a a miniature... Ex, 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 exodus experience.
0: Right. Except for the whole death part. But I guess that yeah. could be the golden calf, because that kind of happened.
1: That's true. That's very
0: true. Okay, and Sleek, uh one more thing. Could I just kind of uh, tag in from the the whole part about our body and burial and the purification and atonement from the Nahash? Oh, of course. Because I, I went back to the show enough Pincus, and I just had to drop this little section here. So it's Shabbat 146 a and it says through the hate eight hadat through the sin of the tree of knowledge the nakash injected corruption and contamination into all of creation Thus the Arizal explains this prompted hakadosh baruku to decree that man and all creatures must die so that the body would be buried in the ground by burying the body in the dust of the earth the nakash's sustenance the really it says the sustenance of the nakash is the dust but it feeds as well on our sins which is like into dust because the ways of sin is death it says the so by burying the body in the dust of the earth the nakash's sustenance the body's contamination would be eliminated, so burial eliminates the contamination of the nachash from the primordial sin of the tree of knowledge.
1: You mentioned like it eliminates the substance of the nachash us being buried, and how our sin is likened to like the the, the, the
0: dirt. sustenance, yes.
1: And so I'm 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 wondering if us being buried is linked is linked to uh, somewhat of an offering to distract the nakash, oh. kind of like on Yom Kippur. No. Because it also says the nakash would eat the dirt of the ground. Yes. Right, he's cast on his belly, to eat the dirt of the ground, and so maybe it's it's sort of like the azazel, azazel goat, Good. you know, sent out as a as a distraction offering.
0: Right, so that because. We because then our, our neshama could ascend to Hashem.
1: Such a, a beautifully designed creation.
0: Woo. Okay, so just to go back into where we were, um, you were basically elucidating quite beautifully Team, which is Judges, chapter 11, verse 34, because that's where we see the daughter and Miriam parallel with the dancing and the tambourine. So, when I find you, hussies, I will tackle you, because I cannot believe you just did that.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, I mean, just you, just going in and elucidating this, and elucidating this concept of, like, death and burial and atonement, it's kind of interesting, um, and I, I didn't even think about this till you started, started mentioning that concept, but... Really, like, you had this idea, like, she's, like, Miriam, like, this picture of Miriam dancing and, and praising, like, her father, Lucian's praising Hashem after, like, the, the death of the Egyptians at the Red Sea.
0: Oh, and man.
1: Right after that, it talks about, like, her being this sacrifice. mm mm And what's interesting, I'm trying to find it here, but the... what's interesting is that it's parallel to the Akeda, almost.
0: Oh my goodness. Right
1: after that. And it's, it's like, it talks about that he was her only child. God therefore arranged that mm-hmm. the first thing that emerged from Jehoshaph's house upon his triumph return was his daughter, his one and only child. And Which
0: is Yehida.
1: Yes. And so, it's just, it's interesting that you know, she actually, even though we, we read that she was trying to, you know, teach Halakha to her, her dad, you know, and say, hey, this isn't really what he wants from you, um, she still went. If you read the text for, for what it is, she still, she was like this voluntary offering.
0: Wow. Willingly laid her life down. Yeah. The only begotten.
1: And so, I don't, I don't know if you're paralleling that to the, the, uh, the Exodus story. Talking about the sin of the golden calf, was like his false vow, and would that lead to it? Led to the the breaking of the tablets. And so there's this there's this huge there's this huge like the subtle connection, if you will.
0: Well the other connection is Shabbat Haggadol. Because yeah. where were the children of Israel showing themselves to willingly lay their lives down? None other than Shabbat Haggadol. When they had to take the God of gods for Mitzrayim, select it, take it, parade it through the city to their home, tie it to the bedpost until of Pesach, where it would be slaughtered between the evenings and eaten that night. If that ain't willingly laying your life down, I don't know what is because that was like Mitzrayim... Like they have so many gods, but like that was the highest God. And so it's just like, you're going to take the lamb and you're going to say, yeah, this lamb that I'm taking, everybody, if you're questioning, what am I doing? I'm taking your God. I'm going to kill him and I'm going to eat him. But first I must tie him to my bedpost and sleep and think about this. You know, I mean, what are the people supposed to do with that? You know, it's just like you can't take our God and just tie him to your bedpost Showing that you have dominion over him even while you're sleeping. Oh wait, what? Wow. <laughs> Messiah had dominion over death even while he was sleeping. What? Wow. <laughs> that just happened. Yeah. That was completely Ruach Hakodesh right there.
1: That's that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and like the text we read earlier, it paralleled her her death to the the sacrifice like children of the other nations, idolatry sacrifice.
0: Oh, so, really?
1: You know, there's another there's another supporting link to, you know, the Exodus <laughs> story.
0: Oh, my word. Would you just finish reading what you were reading, man?
1: I, I tried to, but you were here distracting me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm all, like, heckling you, and I'm like, hey, would you finish? <laughs> <laughs> would
1: you? I'd say can I finish, but I'm enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right, so you know these are these are the main links that I'm seeing to the Parsha. Um, You know, I'm I'm not sure if you had any additives to links as far as the Parsha goes in this.
0: I do. Um, Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say tag, and I agree. Check this out. Let me switch rockets here. Alright, so this is straight out the OG Onkelos Targum Onkelos, he has a whole introduction on the Haftarah for Parsha Hukat, but check out this These are I'm gonna give you two sentences and it's just like wait what? So it says you know cuz Hukat which is a hook uh, singular is just like a statute. It's like it seemingly has no rhyme or reason for what why it is it's just this is what it is and commentaries talk about it supra rational it's beyond rationality and it's the closest thing to the essence of hashem and being able to understand you know hashem so yeah here's what it says though it says it seems it it's it is seemingly irrationality Hang on, let me say this. This is a really weird phrase, but it says it's seemingly rash irrationality conveys the idea that much in life is unfathomable, yet we trust that there are divine rational principles that regulate the world. So the whole thing about Hukat is it seems so irrational, but it's like this is a shim. So in this Haftarah, we find a remarkably unlikely individual, Givtak, implausibly rising to become the leader of his people. He makes the most unreasonable vow found in the Bible. So the whole thing about this Haftarah is that it is exactly the epitome of a hook. Or a hukat. It's just like. Who's this Yiftak guy? Like what makes him so special? Then when he is made special. Like literally by being made the leader of the people. Even though he was an outside dweller. Of the land. Kind of like outside the camp. Where Mashiach was crucified. And we're supposed to go to him outside the camp. But um, you know. It's just kind of like they went to Yiftak. They went to Yiftak outside the camp to make him the leader and lead them into victory, you know? And then it's like, with him uh, going into battle, he goes, Hashem, if you give the enemy into my hand, whatever comes out of the front of my door. And it's just like, wait, what? Like, how did we get there? You know, so it's just kind of like, this guy is, uh, he has such a crazy lineage because his mother is called like a Zona, which is not good. And then it's just like, yeah, he's going to be the leader, though. And he's going to lead us to victory. But he said to Hashem that he would sacrifice whatever comes out of his front door. And he doesn't really have that many animals, but he does have a daughter. So that's kind of like not good for him to make that vow. So there's like this big cloud of like irrationality that's everywhere.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned connected this idea that the hoke is connected with his sacrifice or his vow and his sacrifice with his daughter and so it's it's like this unreasonable I guess the uh, commandment if you will
0: mm-hmm. that,
1: that is paralleled with this vow and this this death of his daughter and you know we've linked it to like the idea of like Miriam and the Akeda and I think there's, there's kind of this this maybe just You know reaching out for a connection here but it seems like you know he goes into battle you take the sequence of events he goes into battle says if you give him my hands then i'll offer you uh my a sacrifice and that ends up being his daughter so it's like there's this win of the war and then like the enemies are subjugated and then you know there's a sacrifice being made that's his daughter Mm. but fast forward it to you know centuries later to yeshua's death right on the stake it's like reversal this tacoon for the instant almost because instead of subjugating like the the physical enemies of the land first and then then like the the self-sacrifice
0: oh. there's a
1: self-sacrifice that comes first and then he's gonna come back and <sighs> subjugate all the enemies all the physical enemies of the land
0: wow oh my word that's beautiful yeah, I mean that that continues to highlight and emphasize everything about Mashiach being this complete rewind, which is tacoon Like it's it's like everything that we have been shown that has went a certain direction, it's now reversed. Yes. You know, uh for for example, then I know this can kind of get a little dicey and not meaning to be pun intended, but you know, the whole thing about the circumcision happens, then the mikvah, because the pattern laid down in the Exodus is that the children of Israel were circumcised first, and then they went through the mikvah with the Yom Suf. But with Mashiach, you can see after his death and resurrection and ascension, his Talmudim are making sure first that everybody is mikveh and then circumcision comes later. You know, and so, the beautiful, the beautiful insight that you just dropped about, you know, the subjugation of enemies is, is going to follow the sacrifice as opposed to be before the sacrifice. I mean, this is just insane. Yeah,
1: well, you know, what does Meshach say? The first we last, and last will first.
0: Oh my goodness! And
1: then he re- he refers to himself, you know, later in Revelations as the the elephant calf, the first and the last. <laughs>
0: So there's so he, there's not a forwards or a backward. It just it's the Tav.
1: Yeah, it's just bringing it all together. You know, I'm hitting it at at the beginning, and here I am redeeming it. Okay. You know, towards towards the end.
0: Okay, so first of all, you need to just stop it and get some help. And, and second of all, tag. I agree <laughs> <laughs> that you need to get help, and and everything is all together, but. This completely is a beautiful uh, precedent for us for understanding the historical debate between Hillel and Shammai about lighting the Hanukkah candles. Because, you know, Shammai was like, light all eight and then decrease them throughout the eight days. And Hillel is like, come on, man, light one candle and then add and build up to the eighth day. But the beautiful thing is, is if you have one person following Hillel and one person following Shemai, you have all the candles being lit every night, which apparently there's a third opinion in that about the light eight candles every night.
1: So like this whole idea that you're bringing down. is so interesting because if, if I'm not you know mistaken, we go with Hillel, right? We light from the right and go on. Each day.
0: We sure do. And
1: we've, we've talked about this. There's this concept before that we've, we've mentioned about the light of the menorah being like the night, light of Mashiach, the light of salvation. Right. And we mentioned before, you know, he says, I am the light of the world. He's referring to him being likened to the menorah. Mm. And we've also hit, when we talked about Shemshan, about the idea that salvation is a process. Right. And so I think it's very fitting that our Halakha is to start with the right and light one day at a time, as opposed to just lighting it all at once. Right. You know, there's this idea that Mashiach, he's just going to come, and, you know, Yeshua can't be the Mashiach, because he didn't fulfill everything, but salvation is a process. You don't light all the, uh, you know, you don't light all the lamps at the same day. You know, all at once, you light it one at a time, because it's a process. Right. And there's there's this huge parallel that you've just elucidated for me because you've been talking about the, the eight days of Hanukkah. Uh, you've also talked about circumcision, which you're circumcised on the eighth day. Oh. Well, did you know that Yiftach is actually the eighth judge?
0: Oh, yeah. stop it.
1: It <laughs> says, up to the point where the half tour begins, Hashem, he provided the following show There's <sighs> Esenel, Ehud, Shangar. Savora, Gideon, Tola, and Ya'ir. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then you have after him Yiftach, who would be the eight.
0: Man, you know it would be so cool to do a name study on what what their uh, consecutiveness, what that phrase would say, because that would be extremely interesting. Because Ya'ir, off the top of my head, from the. Uh, priestly blessing is may he illuminate and then oh, you have wow. yeast talk being and he shall, he shall open.
1: open he shall open
0: so i don't know i feel like i would like to do that in the background while you just blow stuff up
1: i would love to hear i can't wait to hear your lose on that that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> well um so how much time do we got
0: uh, we got as much time as you would like. We are currently sitting beautifully at about 49 minutes total on recording.
1: Okay, I mean, so is it, we don't have to worry about it cutting off, the time cutting off and doing another section?
0: No, sir. I got my backup suit just chiming on with us. So, if this uh, broadcast drops out, it definitely will be technical difficulties, but we will have everything everything all right so believe it note it trust it
1: i love that <laughs> <laughs> okay let's go ahead and go to the if you don't mind while you're doing that i'm gonna go ahead and go to the first couple of verses of our half torah because i think there's this huge parallel again of yiftach and a very very well-known messianic figure so we'll start in shof Team 11, 1 and two. So Yiftach the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. He was the son of a prostitute, but Gilead fathered Yiftach. Then Gilead's wife bore him sons. And when the sons of the wife grew up, they chased away Yiftach and said of him, You will not have an inheritance in our father's house, because you are the son of another woman. And there's commentary on this. And it talks about, you mentioned her being referred to as a Zona, right? Not a nice word. No. And there, there's, there's this questionable <laughs> commentary of, okay, well, what does that mean? Was she really a prostitute, or was this just a claim of the brothers?
0: Right. And so there is some
1: interpretation that Gilead's, others say that his Yiftach's mother was actually Gilead's wife and not a real prostitute.
0: Ooh. But she
1: was called a prostitute because she was from a different tribe. Oh, and what? Days, yes, there's, you gotta think. Israel is, was steeped in idolatry, <clears throat> and, and because of that, there was a lot of dissension among them. And so it talks about, in these days, the Jews were very concerned that none of their territory fall in the hands of another tribe. Tribal identification, their loyalty was very strong. They therefore tried to prevent their daughters from marrying outside of the tribe. And so any woman who was actually married out of, out of her tribe was disinherited from her family and the whole society looked down upon her as a person without roots, and they therefore called her a prostitute.
0: Mm -mm -mm.
1: And so it wasn't a proper attitude at all. Um, Nonetheless, this is the practice of those days, and Yiftach, as well as his mother, suffered because of it. And so his brothers try to claim that he was not really a son of Gilead at all, since a prostitute has relations with many men, One can never be sure who's the real father of his children. And so there's this idea, okay, well, there's this kind of uh, intrigue, this, uh, trying to find the right word here, um, this kind of idea that something is is not completely right. There's this doubt that's placed in here. Mm -hmm. But what I really want to get out is this actually parallels David's birth. David's whole situation.
0: Oh my goodness. The story of Nedzevit.
1: Yes.
0: Hasiz, come on, man. Get you you some.
1: (laughs) If you're willing, I'd like to go into a section of our half Torah.
0: And as thought, here's our technical difficulty. So stand by. All right. And after technical difficulties, we're back. (laughs) All right.
1: Well, did
0: we get all that? Your backup phone's still recording? Oh, Moshe is killing it. (laughs) Or should I say, living it? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you completely, again, I just, this is like so heavy. This information that's going down right now. Like, I don't know if technology ready for this. But you're getting ready to get into a section of the hafterah, and in the meantime, I'm over here lining up judges.
1: All right, how you come on that? You ready to divulge
0: oh my some goodness. hidden secrets? Well, okay, I guess I can just go ahead and give you what I have so far, because well, I
1: could, I could, wait if you, if <laughs> you want.
0: Okay, yeah, let's if do whatever that. Whatever you want to do. Let's do that. If you got,
1: if you got it prepared, go for it. If not, then. What so, are you do
0: So you're saying all or nothing, so I don't have nothing. <laughs> so go ahead, I Go ahead. I
1: mean, you could you could reveal in steps, you know, kind of like the redemption, but
0: okay, you know. the olive top <laughs> of <laughs> the wife. shof team, the olive top of shof team, the first and the last is Yeshua and Shamuel. So literally, you start off with salvation, and and you end with, and you shall listen to Hashem. Wait, what? Yeah. Hold
1: on, hold on. You, you're you talking about Asenel? Asenel?
0: No. The first Shofit is uh-huh. Yehoshua.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. The death of Yehoshua begins the process of listening to Hashem and to get to the, the ultimate of the, the judges. So, literally, Yeshua is called the first judge, but... You know, it's like the whole Aleph. The letter Aleph doesn't really have a sound in its first, but, it, you know, it's just kind of, yeah. Like the first king of Israel truly is Hashem, but the first king of Israel is Shaul. So, you know, wow. the, fir- the last king shall be like the first king. You know, that's why ultimately Mashiach is the king of Israel because Hashem was the first king. So the last king shall be the first king.
1: is incredible, because there's there's even some commentaries, you mentioned, like, the silent olive, there's some commentaries that talk about Yehoshua being, like, the king, and after his death, there was, like, the period of judges, but then, from what you're saying, he's also, like, a judge as well.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you got, you got a next name, or?
0: No, that's just the first, that's the first coming, so. Okay. So I will uh, go away now and come back in a little bit.
1: (laughs) All right. So where we left off again, like you're saying, is the idea of Yiftach. He was ostracized from his brother. He had this, um, this idea of the scandalous, the scandalous, supposedly scandalous story of birth. You know, like David said, I was born in iniquity. Ooh. And so his actual birth, his his relationship with his brothers, him being ostracized and uh, looked down upon actually parallels uh, talking about Yiftach parallels David. And so there's a story that's of it, his mother, and I'm just gonna go into the half tour section that we call story time. And we'll so enjoy enjoy the story and then we'll we'll discuss as always. All right. So David's birth. There's a little section on uh, David's birth. says, why was the young David so reviled by his brothers and the people? So it mm-hmm. says, to understand the hatred directed towards David, we need to investigate the inner workings behind the events, the secret episodes that aren't recorded in the prophetic books, but are alluded to in the Midrashim. And so it talks about David's father, Yishai, who was a grandson of Boaz and Ruth, but after several years of marriage to his wife, uh, Netzevit, and after having raised several vir- virtuous children, he began to entertain personal doubts about his ancestry. Mm. And so he was, he was a leading Torah authority of his day, but his grandmother, Ruth, was a convert from the nation of Moab, as related in the book of Ruth. And like you mentioned before, my Man, that you know, Moab rejected uh, Israel when they try to come into and pass through the land.
0: That's right.
1: And it's for that reason that the Torah also gives us a commandment not to marry a Moabite. Mm. And so this is what Yishai is struggling with at this moment. He's like, I, come, I may come from a line lineage. So it says, during, during Ruth's uh, lifetime, many individuals are doubtful about the legitimacy of her marriage to Boaz. And so this is what's being... Played on in the background. Of course, we know that the oral oral Torah, oral law, forbids marriage with the converted male Moabites. Uh huh. And so not this this is exempts female Moabite converts, which is why you know you know eventually you know you actually go on to find out, despite he was struggling with this idea, it's perfectly fine for him to marry, be married to his wife. Rukshem because. Ruth was a Moabitess, not a Moabite.
0: That's right. So to go back to your original point that you shall not marry a Moabite, that's not a problem if you're a guy because guys shouldn't marry guys anyway.
1: <laughs> yes. That's a whole nother tour law. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Keep going. Okay. All right. So I, I need on. you to take as much time as possible because I'm like... Losing my mind over here with these judges, man. It's all right. It's so I'm, I'm just gonna it
1: straight and give you time to load,
0: dude. It's Cray. I'm like shutting down and like rebooting, like,
1: whoo! All right. Well, as long as, as long as uh, the phone holds up this time,
0: <laughs> yeah. If if I don't hold up, Moshe is holding up, which is funny because you know, Moshe had to hold his arms up and he needed Aharon Echur to help him do that.
1: Uh, wasn't that against Amalek, which is doubt? Yes. Which is what which is, what is struggling with in this part of the story. Oh,
0: right now. spiritual. He,
1: oh, he needs, uh, you know, Ye- Yehoshua. He, to yes, destroy
0: that doubt. He, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so continue with story time. Okay. However, later in his life, doubt gripped at Yeshai's heart, gnawing away at the very foundation of his existence. Being the sincere individual that he was, his integrity compelled him to action. If Yeshai's status was questionable, he was not permitted to remain married to his wife, a veritable Israelite. Disregarding the personal sacrifice, Yeshai decided that the only solution would be to separate from her, no longer engaging in marital relations. Yishai's hmm. children were aware of this separation. And just a little side note here, this is also what happened to Moshe's
0: they separated for a
1: time oh snap so, so it's just a quick little swerve won't get into too much about that
0: I mean you got yeah. to because it was <laughs> at the behest of Miriam that her parents got back together and that was the birth of uh, Moshe <laughs> telling you that daughter man that that Bat Yehida the one and only begotten daughter you know, bringing forth the only begotten son oh
1: Nice story. Wow. That's incredible.
0: I see why the phone keep cutting out, you know? I do too. <laughs> Man. Oh. Keep
1: going. All right. So, swerve back in the lane. Swerve. If, if Yishai's status was questionable, right? We talked about his children being aware of the separation. It says, after a number of years had passed, Yishai longed for a child whose ancestry would be unquestionable. His plan was to engage in relations with his Canaanite maidservant. He said to her, I will be freeing you conditionally. If my status as a Jew is legitimate, then you are freed as a proper Jewish convert to marry me. If, however, my status is blemished and I have legal status of a Moabite convert, forbidden to marry an Israelite, I am not giving you your freedom, but as a shivchach Kananit, a Canaanite maidservant, you may marry a Moabite convert. The maidservant was aware of the anguish of her mistress, Nitzavit. She understood her pain and being separated from her husband for so many years. She knew as well of Netzevet's longing for more children. The empathetic maidservant secretly approached Netzevit and informed her of Yishai's plan, suggesting a bold counter-plan. Let us learn from your ancestresses and replicate their actions. Switch places with me tonight, just as Leah did with Rachel she advised. With a prayer on her lips that her plan succeed, Ntsevet took the place of her maidservant. That night, Ntsevet conceived. Yishai maid remained unaware of the switch. After three months, Ntsevet's pregnancy became obvious, and since her sons wished to kill their apparent adulterous mother and the illegitimate fetus that she carried, What? Ntsevet, for her part, would not embarrass her husband by revealing the truth, of what had occurred. Like her ancestress Tamar, who was prepared to be burned alive rather than embarrass Yehuda, Netsevet show a vow of silence. And like Tamar, Netsevit would be rewarded for her silence with a child of greatness who would be the forebearer of Mashiach.
0: Come on. Wow. aware
1: of the truth what's that?
0: I'm just shocked and mind blown right now because you just connected the switching of places of Leia and uh hang on Leia and her sister I'm my Ra- Rachel like I don't know why I was just blanking on that but you just connected Rachel and Leia switching places with Tamar having to disgrace herself to be like a harlot to conceive with Yehuda. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> and there's this whole idea of that the the brothers want to destroy, you know, the mother and you know, the
0: the son, and this is what you see with Yiftach as well. I you know, can't they, believe that they destroy the...
1: the mother through words.
0: Oh you know, and,
1: and then they destroy his reputation to the point where he has to flee. Wow. He goes on to say, unaware of the truth behind his wife's pregnancy, but having compassion on her, Yishai ordered his sons not to touch her, do not kill her. Instead, let the child that will be born be treated as a lowly and despised servant. In this way, and I want you to, let's tab on the word despised.
0: Right, I was about to say, we better tab that.
1: we <laughs> to tab it. Unaware of the truth behind his wife's pregnancy. Oh, I'm sorry. He will not marry an Israelite. Despised servant in this way, everyone will realize that his status is questionable. And as an illegitimate child, he will not marry an Israelite. From the time of his birth onwards, then Netsavet's son was treated by his brothers as an abominable outcast. Noting the conduct of his brothers, the rest of the community assumed that this youth was a treacherous sinner full of unspeakable guilt. Mm. On the infrequent occasions that Netsavet's sons would return from the pastures to his home in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, he was shunned by the townspeople. If someone as something was lost or stolen, he was accused as the natural culprit, in order in the words of the Psalm, and ordered uh, in words of the Psalm to repay what I have not stolen. Eventually the entire lineage of Yishai was questioned as far as the basis of the original law of the Moabite convert. People claimed that all the positive qualities of Boaz became manifest in Yishai and his illustrious seven sons, while all the negative character traits of Ruth the Moabite clung to his despicable youngest son.
0: <laughs> wow!
1: <laughs> so you have this idea of because the way this illustrious Torah scholar, who was one of the members of like, of, who was on the Sanhedrin, because he, you know, said that, you know, this, you know, the way he treated them, the rest of the community saw him as, as, you know, this is unspeakable outcast. And you see the same thing with Yiftah.
0: All right. So I guess this is just the thing. We're just having technical difficulties. So stand by. All right. Are you there? Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Where we leave off.
0: We left off with the uh, despised, lowly uh, public uhness of the youngest son of Yishai. All
1: right. Okay. Did we did we finish the story about the guilt clinging to him?
0: No. So basically, so, we were talking about how. The brothers were like despising him and looking down upon him, and that caused the public to do the same thing.
1: Okay, and you said so. We talked about how um, Boaz became manifest. All the positive qualities were manifest in Yeshai and they thought all the negative character traits from Ruth the Moabite clung to the despicable youngest son.
0: That you did say that right, okay. just right okay, before. Cool. So if you can pick up from there, that'd be beautiful.
1: All right. So we mentioned right before we left off that the entire community thought all the positive traits of Yishai, you know, clung to him and his sons. But all the negative traits clung to the despicable youngest son, which would have been David. And we see this parallel in our Torah, our half-Torah portion. You know, they believe that Yiftach was such a horrible person, and they they exiled him, essentially, or he really left on his own accord, even though everything that's said of him
0: was completely untrue I mean you know um
1: we have this idea really the ultimate reason why bring bring this story up is to parallel it with uh Mashiach Yeshua
0: oh come on man get you some take the anti-missionaries down. so
1: uh, this story you know David and you have the story in Yiftah who was exiled from his brother, who has this scandalous background, but in reality, he was of legitimate birth, and his mother was not a prostitute, uh, you know, she was the legitimate wife, who had to resort to deception, so that Mashiach would come. Mm. And so there's this idea of, this this cloaked in deception, kind of like what we talked about, this, you know, Yaakov going to Yitzhak to receive the blessing, cloaked in the garments of Esau, and Again, the act of deception, but what that brought about, brought about blessing, brought about the Mashiach, everything. And so Yeshua also came, you know, there's a lot of Lashon and Ra talking about him, about his mother. Oh, well, you know, it wasn't really divine birth. You know, she was with another man. Uh, And really, like David, like Yiftach, he is ostracized from his brothers because... Of all these illustrious Torah scholars, sages, people in high authority, who say that, you know, just like they they said of him, they they believe that all the despicable character traits of Ruth clung to him.
0: So, this is our
1: precedent. there's There's this ruling that, you know, from those in charge that he is this despicable person, the rest of the community treats him, even though it's completely not true.
0: Wow. So we have a precedent for Mashiach being slandered and despised by leaders of Israel.
1: Yes, and outcasted.
0: Good night.
1: And I, I think it's interesting towards the end of it 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 says that they believed all the negative character traits clung to the despicable youngest son. And right. yeah, you know, I think that's interesting because it's also mentioned in, you know, the uh, apostolic letters that He who knew not sin became sin, so we might become the righteous of God.
0: Cool. So it's the idea that they they fought that all
1: the the negative aspects clung to him. Right. There's a partial truth to that. Even though he was sinless, he took on the sin so that we could be redeemed from it. Tag. (laughs) All right. Go
0: for it. And I agree. Also, who was one who was considered the least who was quote-unquote despicable, but obviously he made shuva and converted and became a but he still kind of despised because his writings are twisted. None other than Shaul, yes. Rabbi Shaul. His writings aren't twisted. It's the people that misappropriately that mis- or mistakenly uh, m- interpret his letters. But I I was bringing him up because he literally in one of the writings to the Corinthians said that, you know, of all the apostles, I am the least of them, which I just thought it was such an amazing confession that he would make. Like, I'm I'm out here doing things and I'm traveling and I'm trying to advance Torah to the nations Literally, because I am the shliach to the goyim, and it's just kind of like he says, "I am the least." So really, when it comes to how weighty my writings are compared to Kefa, compared to Yaakov, like don't even put me in the room.
1: Exactly. That's that's such a key point because it he says of all the apostles, right? Notice that's that's even a less of a category than the Talmudim of Yeshua. Oh oh he's not, oh, he's not even saying all the disciples. He's oh not, he's not even in the higher category. So For the, the apostles he says he's the least. And so there's there's something, you know, to be you know, just, just a little perspective. Like we, we mentioned the incredible Talmud that he has Source Mountain and how the idea of let's put things in a proper perspective in their proper position, and then build up from there. And that's what you really have to do when you're looking at his writings.
0: Is there a technical or medical term for when you pass out twice, successively? Because that's what it's just...
1: Called, uh, being at Harsanai and, and hearing the voice of God.
0: Oh, <laughs> wow. Spiritual. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah, since we're talking about this mountain.
0: <laughs> wow. He um, keeps going. I'm sorry? I say you just keep going. It's like you keep elevating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got you. Um, it, it's interesting, too, because uh, we're talking about parallels with Mashiach, and with his Yiftach, there's this mention of, like you see, there's three times when his name is associated, It's has this precursor of an olive tav in front of it. Oh, my word. <laughs> and so the three things... They're around his birth, where it says, Gilead begot Yiftach. They're at the point where the brothers drove him away. The third one is where they they bring him back from the land of Tob to fight for them. Mm. And so the rabbis comment on the al so there's there's something deeper here. There's something unknown. And if you read commentary on more Kabbalistic works like in Zohar, the al represents the Shekhinah, uh, the presence of God. Ooh. And... Those of us who have the fortune
0: of the illuminations of the words of Mashiach cool. and
1: writing of his Talmudim, like Yochanan, who wrote Revelation, it mentions that, he mentions that he is the first and last. He is the all from the top.
0: So is it the Shekinah or is it Yeshua?
1: So here we go. You have this connection between Yeshua and Yiftach in these three places. In the birth, which is what we just elucidated. He has this scandalous birth just like Yeshua does, makes everyone debate who he is and essentially outcast him. And on that there's driving him away. Wow. And right now we know like Mashiach is at the gates of Rome. Right. right which is, you know,
0: outside the camp
1: synonymous with Christianity. Right. And so not that he's a Christian alone, but he's exiled there. He's driven out from his brothers because they gave him a bad name.
0: Ooh. Okay. And tag. What's even
1: more interesting before you tag in, what's <laughs> even more interesting is it doesn't end there. The last of Tav associated with Yiftach is where they bring him back to fight for him. And so even though he's in exile right now, we're at a point where we're calling out from Shia. all of us and Israel, um, you know, we're all calling out from Messiah to return. Why? So he could redeem us. From our enemies, so he could establish his reign and teach Torah to us and the, the nation. And so that's where the last off top actually ends and bringing him back. So doesn't end with exile, he's coming back.
0: So as I tag in, I can't help but be like, Boy, ah, oh boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Exactly.
1: I was thinking the same thing. It's just, you know, my voice isn't as nice as so I didn't want to sing it. <laughs>
0: Boy, you're too kind. I don't know. I've been just kind of in this singing mode lately, but really the last olive tab is about bringing the one that was cast out, bringing him back. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go into the prodigal son, even though it's so tempting. Uh, uh. Okay. But what I was tagging in and agreeing on is with Mashiach being at the gates of Rome, this For some reason, I can't help it, reminds me of Parashat Korach when Moshe tells Aharon to go get the Keturit and go out where the plague is and stand up to stop the plague. And it says Aharon stood between the dead and the living. Oh, yes. If the gates of Rome and being outside the camp ain't between the dead and the living, I don't know what is. And we talk about, or Mashiach talks about how there's this path that is straight and it's narrow and few find it. And I would just like to submit that that's the place between the dead and the living. That's the place that we travel and traverse on as Lapid. That's the place called the way, the truth, and the life you have Christianity on one side, you have Judaism on the other side. Both sides at some point reject Mashiach because yes, you can claim Mashiach, but if you reject his Torah, you're still rejecting Mashiach. But if you claim Torah and reject Mashiach, you're still rejecting Torah or Mashiach because they're one and the same. It's like if you take Torah, then you take Yeshua because Yeshua himself says, Moshe wrote about me. If you can't believe Moshe, then you can't believe in me. So, you know, you tie all that together and it's like, so where we're standing is with the Kohen Gadol, which Mashiach is called the Kohen Gadol in the order of Melchizedek. Then we have the katorit which repels death. The death also comes in with the fact of rejection, with the fact of walking in contrariness to the ways of Hashem. And so if you grab a hold of the Kohen with the Keturit, you now move from death and into life. And so if we're thinking about Mashiach being outside the camp and at the gates of Rome, not only is he extracting people, namely all of us who have converted from Christianity to Judaism, get you some, He's extracting people from Rome, but he's also crying out to his brothers in Yisrael. And he's like, come all who are thirsty. Come those of you who serve Hashem. Like I am calling out people right now. You know, it, it doesn't matter what your background is because Torah has always been for every tribe, every tongue in every nation. So end of tag.
1: That's so awesome that you brought up this incense. The incense that Aaron did that to save the people in our last parsha. Also, the specific offering that Yiftach offered was an Ola offering. Oh. It was burnt. Like the whole thing goes up in smoke to a shim. And what's interesting about this offering is that anyone can make it. Even if you were of the nations or a pagan at the time, you could come and make a burnt offering, an Ola offering to a ship And what's also interesting is you said that Aaron, the Kongadol, stood between the dead and the living, which there's so many powerful implications there with Yeshua and what, what he did. His mission was like you beautifully elucidated It's also written that the the righteous are called the living and the wicked are called on Yom Kippur, where the Kohen Gadol would go into the holies of holies, you know, where we're to regard ourselves, if I'm not mistaken, as halfway righteous and halfway wicked.
0: Yes, yes, and yes.
1: So at that moment, we stand with one with Yeshua as being in between, one with the Kohen Gadol also as between life and death. (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because that's that's where that redemption comes from.
0: Oh, there needs to be windows in here so I can jump out of them.
1: That's what it's like. This middle ground. It's like, you know, the Vav that connects, and you know, we mentioned the Vav being the letter that can change from past into future tense and future into past tense. So it's like this letter of redemption. Oh, wow. And the, the high priest will be clothed in linen garments, and the Hebrew is is Vav. Which is bait dalit, which yes. is the Six, which is like Vav. Oh it's like this constant idea of changing the past into the future, the future into the past. Why? <sighs> for the aspect of the Shuvah, for the aspect of repentance. And Vav is like it's like the, the, the letter that's in between, right? It connects words to different words. You know, it's the prefix and.
0: Wow. And so there's, there's this is
1: like that's this this whole concept of being in between for the process of
0: atonement tag zohar um i think it's parsha mishpatim benny b brings this up and of course so does g shekel so if i mention g shekel obviously it's b, benny b if i mention benny b it's obviously g shekel it's like they're kind of related or something but that's a side swerve to say that they both bring up the zohar mishpatim reference that says the vav It's called the Staff of Moshe, and it's also called the Son of God, and it's called Memtet, and it's called the Instrument of Life or Death. There's one end that gives life, and there's another end that gives death. So between the dead and the living, where Moshe would place his hand on the Staff, which is Memtet, which is the Vav, which is the Son of God. Yeah. incredible. They both decided to comment and bring that down for this week's portion and uh, commentary as if that was okay.
1: Man, and I feel, I feel like everything that we, we discuss here, everything that's brought down the Torah and the writings of our sages and all the great minds of Judaism, we could just
0: elucidate for days and days and days and days. We could. We really could because it's like the Torah is infinite or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. I'm like the Olive
0: <laughs> So, speaking of Olive Tatav, I finally got the Shof team done.
1: Alright, Rukashem.
0: So, oh, nice. <laughs> whenever you're ready for that, I'm ready to best Rukh do this.
1: Okay, so this is talking about like Asnel, Yehud, Shamgar, Devorah, Gideon, Tolian, and, and Yair? Ken. Alright, so.
0: I. I just went ahead and did the whole thing, though. I went from Yehoshua to Shamuel. So, you know, I figure if we're going to spike the ball, we might as well really spike it. So how many people do you got? 1, 13, 14, fi- oh, 15, the song of ascents. Oh my gosh. The Yishtabak, because it's the 15 expressions of praise. Oh. The Yod and the Hay, Yeshua HaMashiach. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm losing it. I can't do it. I'm shutting down. All
1: right. Well, before you shut down, <sighs> go ahead and elucidate this. You don't mind?
0: Chassis. I don't. Oh my gosh. Okay.
1: Feel like you can't handle it.
0: The fifteen, you could stick with the eight. <laughs> oh, that's the Havdala song. Whoops. Right, not there yet. I feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I don't know what to do right now. I'm just gonna throw everything. But before I do that, okay, here we go. So we got Yahoshua, Otnel, Ehud, Devora, Gideon. Avimelech, Tola, Yaer, Yiftach, Isban, Elion or Elon, Abdon, Shimshon, Eli, and Shamuel. That is fifteen total. Now, let's go ahead and break this down. Hashem, help me. There's a lot of information here. All right. So we start with the first one, which is Yeshua, which means salvation. Okay, we move from salvation to Otaniel, which is force of God. So build it. Salvation, force of God. Next is uh, Ehud, which is the same as Ohad. Both mean united or to be in unity. So you have... Salvation, force of God, unity. Then we go from there to um, Shamrag. And it's it. Okay. Set... Hang on. I said all the names out. And then in the middle of all this information. No. Okay. So it goes from Ehud to Devorah, But there is a, a middle step there for a person called Shamgrash or Shamrag and um they are apparently are like a judge but not really so that's kind of interesting but there there was no translation for this name and it's composed of the word for uh sam which, which means to put like "Asher sam moshe like uh the vizot hatorah kind of thing and then uh, it's also composed of the word for gear, so he shall put the stranger, basically, so wow. s- salvation, force of God, united, putting the stranger, and then it says to to declare, to give, or to hew down, because that's Gilead, like a warrior, and then we have. Abimelech, which is father of the king. So we go from salvation of God, force of God, to unity. Unity, putting the stranger to, like, declare and hew off as a warrior, the father of God, uh, scarlet or crimson. He enlightens and opens Splendid, bursting forth, ram, or terebinth, like an oak grove tree, which is where Abraham sat when Hashem showed up to him in the, uh, the heat of the day. Wow. Then it says, from there, servant, sunlight. And then after that, we got my God... And you shall hear and obey Hashem. So salvation, force of God, unified. I left out Devorah. So Devorah and Shamrog are kind of there uh, together. So salvation of God, force of God, unity with putting the stranger, Devorah, which is the word to spoke, to speak. Hewing down and declaring the warrior my father the king. Uh what was this one again? Eh. I need like to spread this it's all shining out. Shining forth. Shine uh Oh my goodness. Where is it at? Scarlet and Crimson. My father the skin, king. king
1: Scarlet. What's the name of the prophet The Scarlet or the judge? Tola. Tola. Wow.
0: And then he enlightens and opens splendid, bursting forth, ram, or oak grove, terebinth, servitude, sunlight, my God, you shall hear and obey Hashem. Wow. So (laughs) I obviously need to write that down because trying to like repeat that, but that's like a straight up, you know salvation you know you can really look at it how to go from yehoshua which is hashem salvation and then you have shamuel hearing and obeying hashem so for you to have salvation and uphold the shema there's all this stuff in the middle that is just like the process of our redemption
1: yeah i mean what what struck me out was like the the first Judges that you are missing, you're you're mentioning, excuse me, that you have salvation, and you have Antaneo like, you said like a strong force. Yes. And Yehud like like unity, and you have, so you have a strong the salvation that's a strong force for unity. Shamgar you said like putting forth like the the stranger. Yes. And then it says by the word of. And you talk about, like, a, a warrior? Yep. Like, my father the warrior is what you said?
0: Uh, my father is after the warrior. Oh, okay. But so, you would mention, if you said the warrior Abimelech, that would be the father of the warrior.
1: Mm, okay. But, uh, it just struck me because you have this idea of, like, Yeshua, he, he talks about that he has to bring forth, he has to go to his other flock yes and so you have this salvation that's a strong force for bringing bringing the other nations into unity
0: mm. and converting into Israel wow
1: and i think it's it's interesting because the word for other is acher which you know looks very similar to achad except it's a ra instead of a dalit, so it's missing that little that little yud at the end right But at the very end, you mentioned that we will hear and we will obey, which is reminiscent of the Shema, right? And the Shema ends in Echad. 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 And so it's like you have that you, the hand of God, at the very end, pulling it all together. So what was once was Echad, something different, is now being pulled into oneness.
0: Support tag. Yocanon 1016, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen or not of this flock. I must bring them also. They too will (laughs) shema. Wow. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. Oh, boy.
1: So, on the excellent drop that you put forth on the show of team, you know, this is actually hinted in Yiftach's name. Seriously? Yes. It's, it's, it's hidden all throughout here. Because uh, we talked about him being like, according to certain layouts, him being like this eighth judge. And we mentioned that with like the like the circumcision, like the beginning of being, you know, redeemed for Hashem. We mentioned it with the light of the menorah, all eight lamps, lighting.
0: Right. Because, <laughs> you know, the so, eighth day of Hanukkah is called Zot Hanukkah. Which literally can translate to, this is the rededication.
1: Oh. <laughs> and we, we mentioned, you mentioned rededication, right? We mentioned circumcision, right? It's,
0: right. It's a idea of being dedicated to Hashem. That's right. right? And in that
1: sense, it's a rededication because in the womb, our sages have said we're being taught Torah.
0: Oh. And, we, it,
1: and we, have, we have this, you know, we, we, we give back to Hashem. We remove this flesh, our father removes this flesh to redeem us, to reconnect us to a shin.
0: Wow. And
1: this same connection happens, it, it's, there's this allusion to it in Yiftach's name. And if you look at it, if you take uh, a letter exchange that we know called the Atbash, where the alt exchanges for the bait and, you know, the bait exchanges, you know, for the, for the shin.
0: Oh, the olive exchanges for the top, the bet for the shin.
1: Yes, yeah, like, There you go. I so, anyway, so you have. Well, this we got you.
0: Exchange. We know. We know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> if you do that, you get mim vav Ion Samek. Say what? And, and what you you get? Remember how we talked about being despised?
0: Yes.
1: Well, the word for despises, this is actually the word for despises in Mishle 1532. It's used, he who refuses correction despises his own soul. And <laughs> I can't help but think we tabbed on this about David being despised by his his brothers. Well, who was also despised by his brothers? Who was also a heavy messianic figure?
0: Huh? Yeshua. So, uh,
1: well, Yeshua, yeah, so ultimately that's the picture. But I'm, I'm looking at from the idea of Yosef.
0: Oh, come because on, man.
1: Brothers, they refused his correction.
0: Chassi's right? first rule of the, sweeping he, people's legs is to let them know you're sweeping people's legs.
1: Yes. I mean, he, he had this, this idea of sweeping people's legs. It's funny you mention that because his, why he was despised in part was because of his dreams where... <laughs> He swept his brother's legs and they bowed down to him.
0: Oh, my word. You were so spiritual.
1: <laughs> he was king, right? And they refused to acknowledge, you know, his his rightful position.
0: Mm, mm, and mm.
1: what's interesting is, actually, if you take these same letters, right, we know that because he was despise, right, he was, they sent him, they sent him to Egypt, he was sold into slavery, and he ends up becoming second to only Pharaoh at his throne. Right. Now, what's interesting about this is the letters. These letters in the Atbash of Yitach's name actually have another correspondence to this. This idea. Uh oh. If you rearrange them again, you get Samik Vav Ayin, and then separating the Mim out, we'll get that till later. Samik Vav, uh, Sika. Samik Vav, Aleph, Sika. Mm-hmm. You have the word so. I looked this up, and as far as I, I know, as far as I saw, this is the only, there's only one place where it's used, and that's in Second Kings 17.4. Uh-oh. Who it's used for, it's an Egyptian king.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> and so you have this idea, and, uh, and, you know, I looked it up in the concordance and the Blue Letter Bible as well, and it says so... Equals concealed, and it says it's an Egyptian king or perhaps a vizier to the king, which a vizier is the highest official to serve Pharaoh.
0: Wow, you set us up for that one.
1: (laughs) That leaves us with the men, right, which is off the side, which is like this 40 days. Yeah, so there's also allusion to it being about conversion.
0: Yep. Like about
1: the 40 the forty in the mikvah. Mm. Uh, and then we know Moshe was separated from the people in order to receive Torah for 40 days.
0: That's right.
1: We also know in this, this Torah portion that the, the people were separated from the land for 40 years.
0: You're right.
1: And so there's this idea of separation. Why? To bring connection. And so this is actually what Yosef does, (laughs) this concealed Egyptian king, or vizier, who is separated from his brothers, but he says, this too is for the good, because it's allowed me to bring salvation.
0: Go ahead, turn it all the way up to Yeshua.
1: And you also have this idea, while Yosef was in the Mitzrayim, he converted the Egyptians. You know, he was known as the savior of the world, it's specified in the Midrash. And so you have this idea, the same concept is with Yeshua. Why is he at the, the gates of Rome?
0: Why
1: Christianity? Why? I'm glad you asked. It's like we mentioned before, it's the stand between, like the incense. The stand between the dead and the living. Why to make converts to bring them in, uh, for the process of atonement, for the process connecting to into the covenant of Israel? Tag. Tag accepted.
0: <laughs> I agree. And Todah Rabbah for accepting. Parashah Metzora, the leper. There is a ritual sacrifice where the cleansing of a leper, you take two birds, you kill one, dip the live one in the blood of the slaughtered bird, and allow the other bird to go free, covered in the blood of the one that was sacrificed. And Rabbi Ridiculous, who is known as Rabbi Roskin, says that this blood that is, or that this bird that gets to go free, it's a dove, by the way, a Yona or a Tor, Mashiach. He says it is Mashiach out into the fields for the sake of the sign for the people to turn away from what causes leprosy and then not only that he says that this bird is also the jewish people because we have been sent out into exile for the sake of making converts which by the way if you do deductive reasoning on that it's saying not only is messiah considered a leper but also israel is considered a leper so that we can go outside and when we're outside the camp we have an opportunity to make converts, while we are making shuva. End yeah. of tag.
1: So, incredible. I agree, tag. I'm going to put that back on you, because you <laughs> said we as Israel are considered as a leper. Mm. Who is the epitome, the
0: example of being a leper? We have Miriam. Oh. Why was she a leper? Because she talked Lashanara
1: about Moshe, mm. who is a picture of the Redeemer as it says so the first Redeemer was so shall the last Redeemer be so you have why is Israel considered a leper well because there's a lot of Lashon like David like they talk Lashon Ra about David so they talk about Lashon Ra about Mashiach Yeshua and so we're a leper and he's a leper oh. and so in a sense we're we're being made one with him in his suffering
0: this is the burning bush Uh <laughs> Wow. The crown of thorns. Wow.
1: So, it gets even more interesting um, <laughs> because one of the reasons why David and Yiftach were talked, you know, there's Lashana Raz, this idea of their mother, the scandalous story about their mother. Mm, Before we get into all that, sort of a leading up to that, there's there's another connection. We talked about the Atbash of Yiftach being Mim Vav
0: sonic Sleka, can I do oh,
1: Slika. Oh, you're are you gonna
0: are you gonna leave that point or are you about to go into something else
1: uh it's on the same idea we could you could whatever you got you could throw it down
0: I just I just pulled out the little blue book that's my new um cricket here it's uh the michle midrash from Art scroll and 1532? Okay. This is what it says. He who rejects discipline, here's our word, despises his soul. So the commentary from Rahlbog is without reproof, one cannot perfect his character. So we have to think about the very thing or the very one, the very person who we've been talking about that is despised is the very one. Who perfects our character. And the very one who safeguards our soul, I might add.
1: Wow, that's that's excellent. He who refuses correction despises his own soul. The word for refuse is there, you know, it's well, it's it's actually the same root as nim, ayin, Vav Samik, which is like this rearrange rearrangement that we're talking about, the Atbash of Yiftach's name. Mm-hmm. And it's the word is maos ma, ma, os, which is to refuse it has the same ruse as where he who refuses, musar, correction character Ooh. refinement where this word is used it's actually used in yeshiyahu 715
0: mm-hmm.
1: Isaiah 715 which is talking about Emmanuel
0: oh stop it because Emmanuel <laughs> means he is with us
1: God is with us.
0: So you're and rejecting so uh, that's what's with us, really?
1: Yes. We're rejecting God among us. We're uh. rejecting the divine birth. <laughs> and so this is why we're made in reference, because we're talking with Sean because we're rejecting this divine birth of Mashiach, which is the only way he can truly save us, as Rabbi Griffin has elucidated uh, very you know, eloquently many times before. Oh,
0: my goodness.
1: And so the verse here is... Butter and honey shall he eat when he knows to refuse the evil and choose the good, choose Tov. And what's interesting there is another connection to our half-tour because where does Yiftat go when his brothers push him away, essentially? He goes to land of Tov.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> he goes to the land of Tov and where it's good.
0: That is the most epic circle back tie in that I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: And it's about to get even better, because we've been mentioning, you know, this is this talking about Emmanuel, God with us. We mentioned this idea of divine birth. Well, this idea is also hinted within this parsha, this half tour as well. What? It is. So are you ready for this?
0: One moment. Because I would just like to cover your six for the very, very uh, meticulous ones that may hear this recording. Because you're talking about meos, and sometimes you say aleph, and sometimes you say ayin. And that's cool. Why? Because the dictionary of the targumim says that the ayin can interchange for the aleph and vice versa. Why? Because these are the only two letters in Hebrew that really don't have a sound unless you give them a vowel point. Why? Well, if you look at the skin that we lost from Bereshit, the skin was or with an aleph. After the sin, it became or skin with an ayin. Through Mashiach Yeshua, the Ayin or skin will be reverted back to the olive or skin, which we've been talking about Mashiach Mashiach the whole time. Really, it's overlaid. So whether we have or skin with an olive or or skin with an Ayin, with the culmination of the olive to the top, the beginning to the end, we're going to have the olive Ayin skin. Just to point that out and put that out there, so you don't have to feel like, did I say olive? Did I say Ayin? Did he just say Aleph when he should have said Ayin? It's okay. Be cool. It's
1: alright. First of all, I want to say Todah Rabah for being your brother's keeper. Cool. <laughs> and second of all, you know, I'm thinking, you know, apologize. Apology to the audience. You know, I every time I've said like Aleph, I mean, Ayin in this word, I meant to say Aleph. Uh, but... You know, I got to, got to thinking earlier we mentioned there's no word for coincidence in Ivrit, in, in in Hebrew. And so we've been talking, like you mentioned, like the skin, it was an olive and then became an iron. The light became garments of skin. Yes. And we've been talking about this idea of being separated from the flock
0: in order to bring the other, the Acher flock, oh, into the an wow. And so you have the olive, which is one,
1: and the iron, which is 70. Uh, so even this this accident, this, this quote-unquote coincidence, hints at what this idea we're talking about, the iron, representing the 70 nations, where I meant to say the olive, which is one. It's this idea of unity.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Sleeka, Sleeka for my misunderstanding, but you know, gamsulatva, another example how uh, everything's for the best, you know, even though it was a mistake on my, my part, it ended up giving, you know, thanks to you, uh, this this huge epiphany.
0: It, it sounds like not Sleek Eye, and it sounds like mistake. What do you mean, mistake? That... Oh, my gosh.
1: Man. Okay.
0: Okay, so, so you were saying...
1: The divine birth, right?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: What's interesting <sighs> is... I'm trying to think how I want to start. Okay, I'll, I'll start with this. Okay. There's a case in the words... Gilad begat Yiftach. This is it says Gilad begat Yiftach, and what's interesting is, here says this is meant to emphasize that Yiftach's paternal lineage was unblemished. Yiftach is similarly introduced as Hageladi, like you mentioned, Eliyahu, right?
0: Yes. That's with the letters Hey and Yud constituting the divine
1: name, you also mentioned fifteen, like the the 15 uh, songs of Ascent.
0: Oh, man. At the beginning and the end of his name, to
1: hint that Hashem testified that Gilead was his father. This just kind of reminds me how the midrash of how, you know, no one believed that Yitzhak was Avraham's son because, you know, his age. But then it was made to look exactly like Avraham, exactly like the father. So if you saw the son, you saw the father. And so it's like the same thing is hidden here with this yud and hay placed in his name of Hageladi to emphasize that Hashem hates testifying, hey, this is actually his father.
0: Tag. So, um, another tag on the tag. I went back and uh, I listened to the Oat Drash from 5778. And we were talking about the song at the sea, which, you know, we're talking about Miriam here tonight. So in that drosh, the six hours that it is, at some point we were talking about why is the name Yah used in that passage? The reason Yah is used in that passage is because of the sins of the people that Hashem had to conceal himself To expand his name. And we were reading that. From Parashah Beshalach. Between different sources. So I don't remember which one. Exactly that was. Uh, It's either the Humash. Or the Or Hachaim That talks about the greatness of the Yod and the Hay. And so here. We're uh, saying. That the Yod and the Hay. Is attesting to the pure. Lineage of the father. And then. You just escalated it so quickly when you said, and this alludes to the, the son looking like the father. To put that all together with the elucidation brought down from the Shabbat Oat really the Yod and Hay is there to show us that the greatness of Hashem concealed in Mashiach is what makes the Yod and the Hay. The the if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. Like it completes that circuit. And so with Yiftak here, it's saying that he is pure when it comes to his lineage, just like his father, just like Mashiach is pure in his lineage because of his father. So there's like this whole thing about Mashiach can't be connected through Yosef. Well, if Mashiach is... Mashiach being Yosef, what are you talking about? But then on top of that, it's the Shekinah that conceived in Miriam that caused Mashiach to be brought forth. So really you'd be attacking the lineage of the Shekinah, but who wants to do that? Cause that's not smart. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up that, you know, the, the Yod and the hey being connected to the idea of if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. But really the Yod and He is the greatness of the Yod and He with the Vav and He. And
1: so on this you mentioned like the Shekinah, at the very end the Shekinah being with Miriam and this whole idea of the divine birth. Yes. Which is
0: alluded into our in our half Torah. Mm, mm,
1: mm. So it says one of the reasons one of the very first things we, we mentioned was the olive top being connected with Yiftach and we talked about that being related to the Shefanah to Yeshua oh, oh, man. and those things being like Echad yes and the very first time Et Yiftach is mentioned it's literally saying Gilead begot Yiftach
0: oh wow
1: it says right here in the end of verse, or sorry, the beginning of verse 1 the end of verse
0: 1.
1: Yes, the Gildad end of verse 1. Gilead And now what's even more amazing. <laughs> do you remember how we did the Atbash of Yiftach's name?
0: Yes.
1: Do you know what the gematria of that is? I did it not. 107. Uh oh. Right? And do you know what the gematria of Gilead is one zero seven. Add
0: so them together. Have- one plus zero plus seven equals eight.
1: Yes, and Yiftach was the what judge? The eighth, eighth
0: judge. Eighth judge.
1: And we talked this idea of renewal. We talked this idea of, you know, circumcision. This idea of the the eighth light of the Hanukkah shining forth, redemption taking place. Woo. And so you you have this idea that Yiftach. Beget Yiftach. Wow. And so it's like he begot himself. What stands between them is the All of Tav. Which whoa, if you read whoa, whoa. The commentary is the Shekhinah.
0: Whoa. You did not just say that. You did not just say he begot himself. I did. Through the Shekhinah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, through the Shekhinah, because
1: that's what stands in between them, the All of the
0: top. From this point on, if anybody, oh, my gosh, if anybody attacks the divine birth, I'm just gonna be quiet because I'm gonna say something that I don't need to say but you know obviously it ain't that bad but you know just don't okay if anybody wants to take the divine birth just don't look at this verse right here
1: just there's no other way so there's that and you know we mentioned I don't know uh odd that is the the end of Gilead's name you know and that's witness
0: yes it is the shema
1: we talked about the Shema and how, you know, if you look at the, the letters in your Siddur, that the, the ayin and the dalit is enlarged. And so these two things, they say it's because the Shema is a witness to the unity of a Shem. And so here you have the unity of a Shem corresponding with the divine birth. So just kick the Trinity out the window.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, God. It's,
1: it's all it's a Shem. Only he can save us. Woo. You know, we have we have no king but him.
0: Ooh he is our king.
1: Salvation comes from him. You know, and that's that's just that's just what it is.
0: It is what it is.
1: That's what it is.
0: So if you look at the letter Ayin and the letter Dalit, the letter Ayin is like a pair of eyes and the Dalit is a door. So the eyes looking at the door, the eyes looking upon the blood. The two bloods, and then you have looking at the opening, looking at Yeshua, looking at Yiftach, the one who begot himself, and then you have, if you take the ayin and the dalit and reverse them to make it dalit ayin, you have the word da, which means to know. So when you know the one who begot himself, and you look upon the bloods of the covenant. That's how you become a witness. That's how you go out and make converts.
1: Tag, I agree. You mentioned eyes, and you mentioned Dalit. Yes. And you remind me of one who was also a witness. Hashem's manifestation was Moshe. You know, he with his eyes, he saw the Dalit of Hashem's tefillin.
0: Oh, in the cleft of the rock.
1: Cleft of the rock.
0: Man. And that manifestation was Hashem as a chazan? Yes. <laughs> so he saw the man of prayer, which alludes to David who calls himself, he calls himself prayer. Ani tefillah. I am prayer. And what did Mashiach do, like, all the time so much that they almost had to put an APB out on him because he was missing. He prayed. My we add, when he prayed, he was praying to himself.
1: And yeah. You know, just to, to tag on to what you're saying, Yehoshua, we've mentioned this before, and the Elenu, the closing prayer. Oh, yes. Yehoshua was the one who constructed the prayer. and In his great humility, he hid his name inside that prayer. <laughs> and why? Because he wanted to be synonymous with prayer. What up? Oh. But in his great humility, he concealed himself within it. And so, literally, when you're saying, you know, the Elenu to close out, you know, your your prayer, you are literally praying in the name of Yehoshua, I mean Yeshua, I mean Yehoshua, oh. I mean salvation, because oh. salvation is his name. So, there's that.
0: The more you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the more you know, exactly.
0: Wow! I feel like a ninja movie or a kung fu movie right now. Like, I just want to go around just ninja chopping stuff.
1: <laughs> well, I'd like to ninja chop something. Unless you got, got something to, you know, karate kick.
0: So, to quote Morpheus from the first Matrix movie, when Neo said, I know kung fu, Morpheus said, show me. So, Chasis, Shummer Man says to you, Show me.
1: All right, I will. I will accept this challenge.
0: <laughs> challenge accepted.
1: <laughs> so you've talked. You know, there's this confusion. You know, there's there's these, there's two ways to look at him. You know, it says he's a righteous man, but then you have this idea of him sacrificing his his daughter, and so it's like, whoa, what what happened there? You know, you just led everyone to salvation from your enemies. You know, there's this allusions to what Mashiach will do, has done, since the foundations of the world, mm. you know, and your actions. So what? what is this? Wow. And so there's commentary, and it talks about, you know, just taking on it on a practical note, We'd like to give our, our audience something practical to leave off on.
0: Keeping and, with the format. I love it.
1: Oh, yeah. So it says, Yiftach was a pious man. He always put his trust in God. Though he was an outcast, he never complained. He accepted whatever lot God gave him. But God wants more of a man than piety alone. That's so like God gave a man a rational mind, and he wants him to use it to serve him. He therefore gave us the Torah to study so that we can learn and understand what is truly right and good. But Yeftah did not study the Torah as he should have and his ignorance was his undoing. He did not sufficiently value the study of Torah, so he never became learned. He thought that as long as he served God with a pure heart, he would not stumble. Wow. Thus King Somo wrote in the book of Mishlei, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The tree of life refers to the Torah. As it says, it is a tree of life to all who take hold of it. Wow. It says when the righteous study the Torah and become learned in it, they were able to bear fruit but if they remain ignorant of the torah their righteousness is wasted jephthah mm. was very righteous but through his ignorance he lost his daughter
0: Mm-mm-mm.
1: and so it goes on talking about this idea of even though he was this righteous person even though he he had all these great characteristics of who he was this great character development that he had you know he was ignorant in torah wow and and it goes on to say in other, other commentaries, it talks about, it says that he lost his daughter because he was not learned in Torah law and did not know how to correctly apply the halakha in this situation. There's this, there's this different commentary on, you know, the daughter, and it says there's some people who, who believe the daughter spent the rest of her life in seclusion and prayer and was not allowed to marry, so she didn't actually die. But then the Chazal in the Talmud says that you know, he actually did slaughter her as a sacrifice, as an Ola offering.
0: Wow. But
1: according to Torah law, there's absolutely no reason for him to sacrifice his daughter, whether it was a physical sacrifice or where it was just her being dedicated to Hashem the rest of her life and not marrying and living a life of, of, of recluse. But it says he could have fulfilled his vow by donating money, as we read before in the pretext, he could uh, fulfill it by donating money as a redemption offering. Uh, he could have, you know, went to Pincus, or he could have just realized that his vow actually had no validity to begin with. Wow. And so you have this idea that really, even though he was, he had this great character development and that he was this outstanding person, never complained, trusted Hashem, just these characters that we strive for and that we should strive for. He lost his daughter because he didn't know the halakha He didn't know how to walk out Torah there's this idea especially in you know prevalent the prevalent christian culture you know the law of moses and how you walk it out is diametrically opposed to halakha mm. and that's just not the case musar ethical teachings character developments and halakha really coincide they're one and the same like if you don't believe that there's there's works such as the mishpat yesharim literally all the character development Strides with us being more halakha, more walking out our faith according to what the Torah says. Reasons why we don't do it, reasons why we should do it. There's a whole section in the Shulchan Aruch, you know, one of the major works of halakha, dedicated to character traits that we should develop. And so this idea of Musa and halakha being diametrically opposed is completely false. Oh, Amen. The fact is, what it really comes down to um Yiftak lost his daughter not because of any lack of his necessary character what it really came down to was because he didn't know the right way to walk it out so if we don't know Halakha, Halakha is what brings us unity, how we walk out to our face is what brings us unity and if we don't know that then we're essentially not allowing our the next generation to go we're spiritually killing our offspring. Wow. And of course, a further further point to show how they're both connected is there's also the interpretation, not just that he didn't know Halakha, but that he was too haughty and arrogant to go to Pincas to annul the vow. Right. And so there's <clears throat> another idea of this Musar, this ethics being tied into um, Halakha itself.
0: May I tag? Yes, you may. And I agree. You know the the soul that is within us the neshama which departs from us upon death is likened to a daughter which is why neshama is a feminine word is literally a feminine hebrew word and so if you think about the 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 phrase what good is it for man to gain the whole world than to lose his soul you know it's like we end up losing our soul we lose our daughter you know, when we don't walk halakhically in Torah, when we when we forsake Torah observance for the sake of acting or being pious, you know. Yeah. So and and for that fact, you know, with the fact that you could offer Zadaka to instead of having uh Yiftak could have offered Zadaka in order in order instead of offering his daughter you know that really went to show you know that really if you're not willing to give this offering you know your your haughtiness and your arrogance make it as if you love that money more than you love your own soul now that may not be true but the circumstances cause that to be true
1: and that's powerful what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul whole statement that whole loose station you meant that you you know you said was that's extremely powerful and like it's in this tour portion because he makes a deal with the shame he says hey if you if i win this war then i'll i'll give you whatever comes through the the doors of my tent he literally gained the whole world so to speak delivered from the Ammonites won the battle no more oppression but at what cost
0: At the cost cost that
1: he lost his daughter, he lost his soul. Like he says, the soul is compared to a a daughter. It's in the feminine aspect. And that's what happened. So he erred, he was not sufficiently acquainted with the Halakha. And he assumed that this vow of a leader in wartime should be upheld at all costs. And so in his misguided piety, I love that you brought that phrase up, his misguided piety, he, he was true to his word. And he made a sacrifice that, you know, what value was it at that point?
0: And the word for soul, which is Neshama, rearranges to Mishnah.
1: Yeah, the oral oral Torah. And I, I think it's, it's interesting also, we, we talked about Mishle 1532, he who refuses correction despises yes. his own soul. And the word for soul there, it's not it's not necessarily Neshama, it's Nefesh.
0: It's nefesh.
1: But... Correction. The word for correction is actually musar, hmm. character refinement. So and we talked about despises. The word for despises is moes, which is you know Yiftach's name, rearranged in like
0: like atbash. Mhm. So who? What did he refuse? He
1: refused. He refused halakha, and he also refused musar, right? Because he was too arrogant to go to Pinkas to know a vow, And he was also too ignorant to even walk out the Halakha. Wow. And so it's another connection between Musar and Halakha.
0: Baruch Shemot.
1: He despised his own soul because of it. He despised his own daughter and her words because of
0: that. So may we not despise Halakha. May we not despise Musar.
1: And may we not despise the Mashiach.
0: Amen. Which interestingly enough would be Musar and Halaka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Intertwine. <laughs> Intertwine. Brookshimo. Well, um Yes you got anything else?
1: No. I mean I mean i we could go on. I'm I'm sure we could. There's so much more we could elucidate, but you know, I've I've enjoyed our our uh our elucidation on the half tour together. For sure. You
0: got anything else to add? Uh, no, I was just going to look up something on the fesh, but I don't want to get all uh, sidetracked on that. But uh, I have enjoyed this time as well. I think there is a lot of great, there are a lot of great insights and uh, complete Whitefire, completely Ruach HaKodesh council that has been laid down this whole time. So I'm grateful for the backup suit that has been recording everything because that'll be the final recording for this drosh. And so just total to you and your kala for just being so faithful and diligent to serve Hashem, to study, to grow. And Todar Rabbah to you for taking time to elucidate this drosh and for just getting everything together. So I just, I am so blessed by everything that you bring and all these just background stories and all these pieces that build this beautiful tapestry. I just bless you for that. That I mean, it's really rich. It's like, it's a piece of salvation that we get to experience now in this world as we anticipate the return of Mashiach. So I really appreciate that.
1: Brooke Hashem, you know, it's all Hashem imparts, you know, knowledge and, and resources and everything we need. You know, I think it really is all for him, and I, I thank you for, you know, being a brother I could I could drosh with and just for these amazing insights you have and, you know, even covering my back with uh, little Sleekha uh, moments. <laughs> <laughs> And, and many things just having me on and this is just being on this podcast with you has been a, a constant inspiration a constant fire and i definitely man. missed it missed it last week um
0: missed thank you, you for having
1: too. me on and really enjoyed elucidating this this parsha with you this hat tour. ah
0: Amen. so what do we know what do we know baruch adonai elohenu melech Zur Kol Haolamim Zadik Bekol Kol Ha Dorot Ha'el Ha Neeman Ha Omer Ve Ham Daber Um Kayem Shekol Devarav Emet Va Zadek Neeman Atahu Adonai Elohenu Ve Neemanim De Vedavar echad, meed vareka, ocher lo yashuv rekam, ki el melek neeman verakaman ata, baruch ata adonai, ha el haneeman beko debarav, beshem yeshua Amen Amen. To the converts out there, to those who are yet to convert, and those who are thinking about it, and those who are just kind of unsure. And the words of the prophecy and revelation, come out of her, my people, come out of her, my people. There's plenty of room in this flock. Come on through the sheep's gate, get up in here and get you some. So, chassis blessings to you over the rest of your week. And may your Shabbat be amazing to all the (laughs) podcast uh, listeners blessings over your week and may you continue to dwell in the words of Mashiach as you cleave and attach yourself to Hashem. B'shem Yeshua. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: All right. Well, Chasis, bless you. It's been wonderful. Indeed. All right. Well, this is Baruch Hashem. B'vacasha. So this is Shomer Man and Chasis signing off. Shalom.